You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's everybody doing here? Locked On Browns, your host, Jeff Lloyd. Um, tonight's show brought to you by Hotels.com. Guys, uh, don't hate like your friend's trip. S- sign up for your own at Hotels.com. Get rewarded basically everywhere. Be there. Do that. Have fun. Get rewarded. Uh, our guest here this evening, um, we've been excited. It's, uh, we've been trying to get it in here for a while. Um... The Move the Sticks podcast, the NFL Network. I believe you guys are all familiar. Mr. Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel, how's everything going? Everything's going great. I'll tell you what, it's like, uh, you know, this gig, and it's the same way when you're in scouting as you're on the media side. It's, it's like you go back to high school, and the draft is your finals, and then once you, you finish finals, it's like uh, you kind of exhale a little bit, take a little, take a little break. Uh, so I'm in, I'm in the midst of that nice recovery after finals. Yeah, and that's usually when the missus says, oh, so nice to see you. Billy needs to be here. Susie <laughs> needs to be here. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, well, let's start off with this. Uh, Daniel, you've delivered a ton of news over the years. Um, over the last week, you kind of became the news and stuff like that. What's it like? Um, and obviously, these things are always going to come up with the prominent role you have and you know what you do. A, how do you deal with it all? And B, is it, 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 are, are you good where you're at? Or is it one of those things where you never say never? Well, look, I, I'm you always listen and you never say never, but I'm, uh, you know, at this point in time, I have, you know, with the Jets thing specifically, nobody haven't talked to anybody from the Jets, and I really, I really am happy where I am. I'm not looking to make that move at this point in time. So it's just, uh, you know, with the with where my family is, where my kids are, and where I am in life, and this this new role that's that's uh, um, been a great opportunity for me here at the network. I'm uh, I'm happy, man. So I'm 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 really enjoying what I'm doing and, and looking forward to uh, uh, to this next group of players I get to study because it's almost uh, uh, it's like turning the page. You spend all this time studying one group of guys, and then uh, and now we can finally turn the page. So yeah, it's, it's always weird when you see your you see your name out there. Um, you know, it's uh, it's there's worse things, right? So uh, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, at least it was in a positive light, of course. <laughs> you know, there is that. <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess we'll get right in here to the Brown stuff. Um, no first-round selection. Um, many feel they probably still may ended up with a first-round caliber player. What was it with Greedy Williams that led to him being available at 47 for the Browns to jump up and obviously get a guy that they were really comfortable with and maybe originally didn't think was going to be an option at 49? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Greedy, it was well-documented kind of through the process. You had somebody that's very, very long, very athletic, um, can play the ball really well. Um, you know, a bunch was made about the, you know, the, the inconsistent tackling. And it wasn't just that he was missing tackling. It was, it was man, does this guy want to tackle anybody? He just kind of hung on blocks, and you kind of question a little bit of his, you know, want to in that in that regard, which... You know that's that's troubling because in the game right now the way it's played you're going to see a lot of uh, perimeter passing you're going to see the bubble screens you're going to see the tunnel screens you're going to see the fly sweeps the jet sweeps all that stuff so corners tackling now has never been more important um, so that was a legitimate concern I also think a little bit of a concern was just you know is the short area quickness there that the quick change of direction is that is that there very fluid very smooth um, but those were the two knocks now I say that. And he has some incredible gifts. I mean, when you look at the size, just start right there to be able to match up with some of the bigger guys. Um, the ability to play the ball down the field, uh, those, those are outstanding traits to have in a corner, and he possesses those. So 
Um, his weaknesses to me are things, uh, especially when you talk about, you know, just, just working to get off blocks and being a little more assertive and aggressive against the run. Uh, those are things that can be improved. So that's encouraging. That's and you know happy to get him. And the best part is, is with any of these Brown selections, is is nobody is coming in here like the last couple of years where it's you know, not only are you a starter, we expect you to be a huge contributor right off the bat. Yes. So it should you be great. You gotta compete now. Now just go in there and compete. That that's that's where they've got their roster. That's a nice place to be at. Yeah, I mean, you know, Denzel Ward, they liked him for what he was, but this is kind of what John liked. I mean, every other corner he brought in last year, everyone was long and lean, and so it's it'll be interesting. And it makes for it. And the other thing is he, you know, probably will never have the pressure of having to be cornerback one, but it's also a nice blend between, you know, the, the size of the two guys and how you can use them. You know, Denzel could always go inside or whatever, and there's, you know, for a long-term duo, it seems to be like a nice pair. Um, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. They complement each other well, and, you know, what's funny is you kind of go through the process, and I ended up with Greedy as my 33rd player, and I felt like I was constantly having to answer questions about why I was so hard on Greedy and why, you know, why I was punishing him uh, to that degree. And then when he ends up being the 46th pick, and I think they even said when he's picked, like, oh, look, this is great value. Where they got him with the 46th pick, I mean, and just based off what I thought of him as a player, man, that, that's, that's great value. Um, you know, if he'd have been the eighth pick in the draft, I was like, okay, maybe that's a little early. But man, I thought uh, I did not think he would be uh, on the board where they were picking. Yeah, it was. You know, it, it was definitely a surprise, and you know, much to my chagrin, I had my heart set for Justin Lane, who ended up going to Pittsburgh. So I get to deal with that for the next four <laughs> to five years. Yeah, you got you to get rid of all that clothing, man. Yeah, that was all Browns clothing. That's that, that's gotta be a t- that's gotta be a tough one, and it's funny. And it's funny because you know the family stayed invested. You know, most of the time, you know, as you get closer and closer to it, some families, you know, they're their favorite team allegiance they kind of just put to the side realizing it might happen but uh they basically had to have a funeral for the their browns fandom in the lane family <laughs> um now in the third round this was definitely a little bit of a surprise but um it, i think it's somebody they need they need a little bit more of a thumper i mean I, i'm not sure how much future they think they have at the linebacker position besides joe schobert but it's the only talkie talkie um the thing you do like though is even if there was some trouble at least there's one kid who doesn't run from it he kind of addressed it and, you know, kind of embraced yeah. it. Like, I did this to myself. But, you know, third round, I mean, he, he had a really nice combine, and there is some good production. Uh, tell us more about Taki Taki. Yeah, first of all, you're right about him being up front and honest. I had a chance to visit with him at the East-West game, and uh, where he had a phenomenal uh, week of practice there. It really kind of uh, launched him. But he uh, was very upfront about it, said, look, he – he got married and he grew up and uh, he's a different person right now. And then you talk to the coach and do the same exact thing. Um, so had some turmoil, had some adversity, came out the other end, which is always encouraging and, and bodes well for his future when you have guys that have, have fought through stuff like that and come out better for it. So uh, I liked him as a kid. And then when you talk about him as a player, they move him all over the place. Um, he played off the ball, came off the edge. They line him up over the slot, and you can see see him move out there. Um, he had some huge, huge hits, like very physical kid. Um, and I just thought in, in coverage a little bit, he'd get out of control. He kind of uh, a little bit undisciplined there, just 100 miles an hour, and uh, can learn to kind of sl- slow that down a little bit. Um, but when you're talking about somebody that's you know, right around 240 pounds and runs low 4'6", he's, uh, he's got the size and speed that you want. He plays with a great temperament. Um, and then they just need to rein him in. I, I thought in a normal year, he's probably a fourth-round pick. Um, I thought the uh, fourth, fifth round right in there, and I thought with this year, with the linebacker pool being a little bit thinner, um, I thought a lot of those guys got elevated a little bit. 
Um, but at the end of the day, he was my 117th player, and he was the 80th pick. So, um, you know, it wasn't that great of a difference, a difference of, what, 37 spots. So um, they got somebody with, that plays with the right kind of temperament that Dorsey likes. I thought it was kind of similar to Gennard Avery um, in the player that it's he can and this is what you do when you have a lot of established players you you find guys who can do several roles so you're never yeah. really even if you're without somebody you have a way to make it up so you know I, I think that's something you can do with him if you need to and you know obviously you know with you know all these guys you know there's going to be some special teams involved and this is what it's like now when you're you know you're part of the Cleveland Browns you're not just you know handed a gig because this roster has gotten tremendously deep tremendously fast. No, no doubt, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned that thing on special teams. I was, I was texting with John Andrew with another team the other day and asking him about a specific player, and uh, and he had mentioned, you know what, he's he hasn't embraced special teams yet, and and some of these guys, when I get a chance to speak at, at some of these colleges and talk to these teams, I try and tell these kids, like even when you're a freshman in college, like and you get asked to play cover kicks and, and, and have a role on special teams. That is your that is a ticket to a to a long career when you embrace that and you excel at that and it kind of just it trips me out when some of these guys come in um, and they uh, they don't want that to be part of who they are what they do man you're you're a person that's picked outside the first couple rounds you better embrace playing special teams. Yeah, I mean, and, and you, but you look at a guy like McLaren from Ohio State, where that's pretty much where he got his start and did it so oh, well. Yeah. You know, that guy's by it. Look, no, give my guy a shot. If he does everything else we ask yeah. him, Clay why Matthews. can't he do it? Clay Matthews did the same oh, thing yep. at USC. You know, he was somebody that you just notice, you watch him on special teams and go, what the heck, man, why is this guy not playing more defense? And then finally got his shot, and then off he went. Yep, yep. So it's, you know, hey, and it's, it's it's you know, not playing uh, playing anything is better than not playing at all. So there's no question. That. Yes. Um, now, uh, Sheldrick Redwine in the fourth round out of Miami. Um, we, 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 me, uh, me and all the Browns folk, we constantly have this debate about where do you think the future is for him as a safety? Or is it? are we leaning more towards the the really isn't so much strong and free anymore where you're really going to need to be able to do a good amount of both? Yeah, you know, one of the things we've seen a lot of is we're seeing um, – free safeties that cross train as nickels. Um, and I think that's what red wine is going to ultimately end up being, you know, we used to say, okay, we're trying to find two safeties that are interchangeable. Um, and then, you know, you can, you can, they can both play high. They can both play low. Now we're seeing, you know, kind of a mix of a free safety that can also cover in the slot and be a nickel. And you're seeing a strong safety that when you get in sub can drop down and be your, your nickel linebacker, your dime linebacker. Um, so to me, that's where he is. He's somebody that can play high in the middle of the field. Um, and then somebody that also is going to get a chance to, to get some snaps at the nickel position as, as he goes through his career, because he's, he's very fast and fluid and he's tough. Um, so he's got enough size to be able to hold up inside there at the nickel and be a force player. Um, so I, I don't look at him as somebody that's going to be a, uh, you know, like a box safety. I think when he's down low, he's going to be covering in the slot. Okay. All right. Yeah. And that, I mean, he's a guy that we have a, a ton of debate about. And my only ask was, uh, you know, I'm a Florida State guy. That that turnover chain can stay in South Beach. Don't be bringing that thing. To <laughs> I want yeah, no part. Kind of had a good run. Time to retire that thing. Absolutely. But uh, of course, you know, I I do have to cover about seven hurricanes on this Cleveland Browns roster as it is already. So, um, guy. <laughs> Guys, with Father's Day coming up, don't forget, untuck it. Uh, your dads need something comfortable, whether it's the office or, you know, on the sidelines watching sports or barbecues on the weekends. Untuckit.com. Use the promo code NFL for 20% off. Now, uh, the sixth round, uh, the, the, 
the last two years, yeah, I mean, obviously they signed Chris Hubbard, and you know we got to talk to Joe Batonio a couple nights ago, and he he spoke well about Chris's offseason. Uh, Greg Robinson is here, you know, to hopefully be the left tackle here in 2019. There's not much future beyond that. I think with Greg, if Greg plays well enough, he's going to move on to a bigger contract that the Browns might not be able to afford. Or if he doesn't play well enough, uh, you know, you're going to have to find a way to move on anyway. Drew Forbes, uh, yeah. first off, against the competition, I mean, he he he, he, he looks like he should. He looks like the boy amongst <laughs> men in that division. No, he, he does. And, and you get somebody at Southeast Missouri, um, you'd like to see somebody that not only is going to play well, but he's going to test well, and that's going to bode well. Uh, and that's what he did. You know, you run sub, four, you run sub five. Um, playing that left tackle there, you know, go back and look at my notes and, you know, I keep seeing effort, 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 physicality, uh, strong hands, um, does a nice job in the run game. He can reach and seal. He's athletic enough to do that and cut off. Um, so there's a lot to work with there. The The issue that he had, in, in my opinion, was he got a little bit top heavy at times. And sometimes you see somebody that's an aggressive player up front that that's just an issue and that's easy you know you'd much rather try and rein somebody like that in than to try and get somebody going so uh, that's going to be his his challenge going forward is just just keep balanced um and, and try not to be a little bit too over aggressive so um but you get somebody from a smaller level of competition you've got height weight speed you've got tenacity you can work with that yeah um and th- and that's the thing and again another guy that's not you shouldn't have to be rushed and uh, and even when we, we asked Joel a little bit about it, if he got to meet him, he's like, uh, yeah, he's still definitely in, you know in the rookie phase of you know clutching onto that playbook, and this is what you know. Yeah. And he's like, we're, we're playing shuffleboard. He's headed off to a meeting, so it was just you know just yeah. funny to see the difference between the established and obviously the young kid who from the smaller school headed into all of this. Uh, Daniel, um, look, I mean, obviously with Gerald McCoy in the building today and the possibility of all that, the off season they've had, the last two drafts put together. How are Browns fans not uh, supposed to hold back containment? I mean, because most of it right now, these guys are off the charts. Yeah. yeah look, it's um, it's something we had a debate on NFL Network uh, last year when Baker had taken over, and it was after the Hugh Jackson game. So after they played Cincinnati, and, and then Baker got a lot of grief for uh, kind of just kind of blowing off Hugh Jackson, and then um, I don't even remember exactly what I said, but it was it was easy to say, easy to understand. He was not a Hugh Jackson fan, and we we were on set, and um, and there was a debate because some at the table were saying this is uh, this is unprofessional. You don't act this way, and uh, and I said, you know what? This is exactly what the Browns needed. Mm-hmm. I said this is uh, this is an organization I haven't spent time in there for in for a couple of years. Um, and seeing what's taken place over the last decade plus, it, it's a, it's been a very kind of a woe is me, you know. And once you start losing, it's like here we go again, you know, same old Browns. That whole kind of mentality. It's tough to shake out of that. And when you have your leader in Baker Mayfield, who's you know, confidence, borderline cockiness, and an edge to him, I said it kind of went from a woe is me attitude to kind of a you know to quote CeeLo Green, forget you and you yep. know, do whatever you want with those words. And it was and it was what they needed. They needed somebody like that. They needed to say, no, this is not the same. Uh, we're good. We know we're good. And, uh, and, and if you don't like it, you know, tough cookies. So that to me was what that team needed at that point in time. And that I just kind of, you kind of see the tide kind of change a little bit. They've had talented players. It's not like over the last 10 years, they've had roster just with no talent. 
Um, it just was an environment that needed to be uh, fixed, and obviously they need to get the quarterback situation squared away. And I give Baker Mayfield a lot of credit because I think he filled both those voids. Yeah, and the thing was is, you know, he was perfect for the franchise, perfect for the city, and, and the thing is, is, you know, not – perfect he, he's not the six foot three but everything else matches yeah. it so which just fits the city on a whole which is you know it turned out to be such a great thing and it was even you know because after the jet win it was sky high then he went and demolished the raiders but then you had to say how did you not win this game how were you walking out yeah. of here with this l but then just continued week in week out and you know obviously you know a you know a nice run from thanksgiving through to the end of the year you know we ended up falling a little bit short in that last week against the ravens a game that they you know, obviously, seriously wanted because you know eight and seven, one, eight seven and one would have meant the world. But and now this is mm-hmm. one we, we talk about a lot. Now zero wins to seven, it is a major, major accomplishment to get yourself to that ten or eleven to get the AFC title. Is it is it just as big, if not bigger? I think so. Uh, you know, it's that whole. I mean, when they write books about this, it's you know, <laughs> great, right? With Jim Collins, so they um, there's a challenge to get from this step to the next step. Um, and I, I think when you look inside that division, um, Cincinnati's kind of an unknown. I don't really know what to expect there. I, I would not, I don't envision that they're going to be a team that's challenging for the division. Um, I do think people were a little bit premature to write off the Steelers, um, you know, because it, it, it also gets lumped in. Well, what are they going to do? No Le'Veon Bell, no Antonio Brown. Uh, yeah, well, they didn't have, didn't have Le'Veon Bell last year, so they've already worked on making that adjustment. And then when you look at Antonio Brown, yeah, it's a huge loss as a talent. I think they're going to spread the ball around a lot more, and there's there is a you know a championship DNA in that organization, and they know how to win, and they don't go many years without making the postseason. So um, I wouldn't write them off just yet. I think the Ravens present a unique challenge just because of what they do and how they can shorten the game. Um, I think that we got a division here where you're going to have three teams that are going to be over 500. Um, and and it's going to be a year where it's going to be I think a, a nine and seven ten and six type year that's going to that's going to win that division I think all three of those teams are in the mix. Uh, it's it's certainly going to be interesting and and for me Cincinnati the, the one that the surprise there was is they didn't you figured if you brought in Taylor and obviously you know everybody you know that everybody McVeigh's ever had a cup of coffee with is now the hot why did did it surprise that they didn't maybe look to Haskins or a quarterback at eleven. Um, you know, it's, it was something that I had uh, thought would be a possibility there for a while. You know, during the process, it's a long run up to the draft, and it, it just seemed to make a lot of sense. Now they had a heavy presence at the Ohio State Pro Day, but it's Cincinnati, so of it's, course uh, they're always going to have a heavy presence there. So don't read too much into that. But then, as we got closer to the draft, I was just being told, look, they're not really doing a lot of work on the quarterbacks, um, so they they are comfortable there. And I think there's there's something to the fact of you know, okay, new coach, let's get a new quarterback. We say it all the time. It happens all the time. But if you've got somebody that you feel like is um, is somebody you can win with, which is that's a good way to describe Andy Dalton, um, I don't know that they wanted a new coach to come in there and have to deal with a quarterback controversy year one. You know, kind of let him get his, uh, get his feet on the ground, get settled a little bit, get the lay of the land, find out what he has there at Andy Dalton. And then at that point in time, if you want to go in another direction, you can go in another direction. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess maybe to get you know get Taylor some confidence. And the other thing, though, is is if you can do some of what the Rams did, where you end up with a lot of easy throws for your quarterback, you know, Andy Dalton is probably capable of that at least. And you know, he's I guess, great. Yeah, he's great. He's you know, a lot of quarterbacks are great at that. But he's <laughs> look, he's 
you know, he's the definition of a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. And if you put the right pieces, and you got to have all of them, but if you put all the right pieces around him, you can win, and you can win at a high level. Um, I just don't think he's the you know the type of talent that's going to elevate an average roster, which is what he's had to work with the last few years. Yeah, so there you have it on the Bengals, guys. Grip six belts, guys, also in women's sizes now. Uh, thanks for the sponsorship. Grip six dot com slash lock l o c k e. Go ahead and check that out, guys. Just a couple of quick ones here. Um, we know you're comfortable in South uh, Southern California for the time being, but you're going to spend some time in Cleveland in 2021. Um, obviously, you know, not too much you can divulge, but um, mm-hmm. talk about this within, I mean, you know, if this was eight months ago, everybody would have laughed hysterically. There's still Steeler fans and some other fans is joking with Cleveland. But this is how big the team has become. I started with hard knocks, obviously, 7-8-1, four primetime games this year. Now the draft in 2021, it's, it's you know, still haven't won anything, but it, at least they are going back to being one of the, you know, recognized as one of the longest established franchises in the NFL. It's awesome. You know, to me, and people ask, like, where, where would you like to see the draft go? And uh, people think of climate or, you know, what is there to do there? I sit and say, like, where are the great ball towns? You know, like, what? and to me, Cleveland's right there. Um, so I've heard, you know, some of the rumblings about some of the plans for, you know, where they're where they're hoping to uh, to get the thing set up and how they want to do it, and it's going to be, if it's anything close to what's being discussed, it's going to be awesome. So um, I, I cannot wait for that. And, uh, and part of me hopes that we get, like, some uh, some Cleveland weather. I mean, let's get some snow going. Um, <laughs> let's, let's make this a true Cleveland atmosphere, and they're going to go nuts. So uh, my, my only hope is that... Uh, that Dorsey's a team player and doesn't end up trading a first-round pick that year because we need the Browns to be on the clock. Well, and as every every Browns fan says, well, as long as it's pick thirty-two, we'll love every minute of it. Yeah, I was going to yes. say, yeah, and hopefully it's a pick. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, anywhere from twenty-four to thirty-two. <laughs> and uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you might want to bring the long jacket for that one if we get the Cleveland <laughs> weather. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence with that with that flowing hair and uh, get you a mink coat. I mean, that's going to be a what a way to enter the NFL. Yeah, there we go, man. Yeah, we'll have Deion Sanders set up his outfit. He'll be set to go. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. All right, before we let you go, Daniel, your Padres. How you feeling? Uh, you know what? I'm actually, I feel better after we just had a good series against the Diamondbacks. Um, you know, we, we uh, started falling off a little bit, but we're over 500. I think we're a couple games over 500. In, in my opinion, our best player is Fernando Tatis Jr., who's been out for a couple weeks with a hamstring. So, uh, staying above 500 and uh, hopefully being above 500 when he comes back. My goal this year for uh, for this team, when you're trying to talk about taking the next steps like the Browns did last year, if the if the Padres, I think they won 66 games last year. Uh, if they end up going over 500, they get you know they win 82 games, 83 games. Uh, that's a heck of a turnaround, and we've got some good young pitching. So uh, I feel good about it. I feel good about it. We're we're a 2020 2021 squad, uh, but we're competitive. I'll take it. Yeah, and you know me, I I get to live through the roller coasters emotions of New York Met fandom, where you get your doors blown off by the Marlins, and then but then they go and get a four game sweep this week. So the goal is usually my my first goal is to get me to the draft where I'm still interested. They've got me there. They've bought till yeah. Memorial Day. We'll see where it goes from now. You know when is the draft? When is the baseball draft? By the way, uh, I think it's like June eighth, June 9th, or whatever. We're almost there. Yeah, okay. we're almost there. So, but uh, you know, they're, they're they're holding me in, Daniel. They're holding me in. That works. That works. 
Absolutely. Um, now, when when do we start to see more work? Obviously, you know, the podcast and stuff like that. Yeah. But when do we start to see more work from Daniel Jeremiah? Are you handling the way you're doing, you know, you know, any of your you know yearly work? Is anything different as far as yeah. when it starts to come out? No, you know, I appreciate you asking. Uh, first of all, yeah, the podcast is still going. So if you, you know, enjoy podcasts, obviously like this one, the movie stinks, you can find it on there with me and my buddy Bucky Brooks and, and Rhett Lewis is on there a bunch. We've got some cool guests lined up. We're, we're working on a series, uh, like a prototype series. Where we're going to go position by position and uh, discuss what we kind of look for in those positions. And then kind of uh, we'll have players on that play the position. We're going to have coaches that have coached great players at that position. And, and each episode, we're going to kind of really drill down um, into to each individual position and kind of come up with who we think are the, the prototypes. So we're going to have fun, fun series with that. So lots of cool stuff on the podcast. And then we get into June. That's when my first look series starts to roll out on NFL.com. And that's uh, kind of like my first look scouting report on the, on the top players in college football that will be draft eligible. Uh, this next season so uh, that's like my first uh, jumping off point trying to get about 40 or 50 of those guys watched over the summer and we end up including i think anywhere from 10 to 12 in this uh, in this first look series so you can be on the lookout for that and then uh, personal time you know like you're trying to get better you're trying to learn and grow um in the evaluation business so um i usually take this time i've been doing it for the last uh, last week to 10 days i like to go watch all the top players uh, at every position at the NFL level, just as a way to kind of reset my eyes after spending so much time studying the college kids. It's like, uh, you know, they say counterfeiters, you know, the, the people that work in the counterfeit industry, uh, they, they don't study fake money. Um, they study real money. And, uh, and that's when they know when they don't see something that's, that's not right. So I, I think it's the same way in evaluation. It's important to go watch what it's supposed to look like at the NFL level, what plays, what works, and that helps you as you go through the scouting process. I uh, see, guys, some, some tidbits of information and, you know, ways to keep uh, your summer uh, time busy until we all start amping up again here in August. Uh, Daniel, I can't appreciate it enough. Uh, you know, obviously a busy man. Uh, I appreciate you finding some time here for us. Um, you know, to you and the family, um, you know, rooted into Southern California. And, and that, that must have been the toughest part is because I can only imagine if the children, Dad. What's going on? <laughs> I mean, because I, I know you've got, you know, you, you talked about high school and, yeah. you know, you, you get, Dad, is there something we need to know? Yeah, yeah we're, are we going anywhere? Yeah. We're, we're okay. Don't worry about it. We're yeah. fine. And I heard it snows uh, in New Jersey. That's not fun. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't need to know that. They don't need to know that. Ah. Oh, that's funny. All right, well, well, all the best. You, man. I always enjoy our visits, and, uh, and we'll catch up soon. You got it, guys. Everybody, Locked On Browns. Thanks to Dan and Jeremiah. Everybody, have a good night.